0: Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now.
1: Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and I'm the communications manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, I'd like to introduce my guest, Shane Pennington of Yetter Coleman, which is a litigation boutique specializing in high-stakes business and technology litigation around the country. Shane is recognized as a Texas Rising star in Appellate by Thomson Reuters' Super Lawyers. He was also a panelist on a recent NCIA webinar titled Just Say No, Keep the DEA Out of Cannabis Research, along with NCIA's Policy Council. Thanks for participating on that, and welcome to the show, Shane. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's start by getting to know you a little bit better. I was reading your background, definitely a, a busy career history, but let's tell our listeners more about your background and some experiences you've had before getting involved in this cannabis stuff.
2: Sure. Yeah. Um- I went to the university of Houston. I'm from Houston, Texas. Um, and I decided to go to law school, um, uh, after wanting to be a preacher my whole life, my dad, uh, was a preacher. And, uh, hmm. my senior year of college, I decided that that wasn't the way I wanted to go anymore. And my friends and family had always told me you should be a lawyer, but, um, I didn't have any lawyers in my family. And so I didn't know anything about law and, uh, So I just kind of started looking into it, took a year off from college, ended up going to law school at the University of Texas School of Law. Um, I worked for three federal judges after law school. Um, Two of them are in Washington, D.C. I worked at a trial court, federal trial court, and then at the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. Um, And I also worked uh, for another uh, federal court of appeals in Houston um, for the Fifth Circuit. So the judge I for on the district court is Royce Lamberth. Uh, he just handled the TRO hearing in the, for the Bolton book. People might have um, heard about that recently, that was him. Um, then I uh, clerked for Judge Jennifer Walker Elrod on the Fifth Circuit uh, here in Houston. Uh, and then I went back to DC and clerked for Judge David Sintel on the DC Circuit. And the DC Circuit is the federal court just under the US Supreme Court and it specializes in administrative law, which is now my specialty as a practicing attorney. And it also happens to be um, probably the most important uh, area of law for cannabis um, related issues at the federal level. Um, so anything you have going on with DEA, DEA FDA, uh, DOJ, any of that alphabet soup of yeah. administrative <laughs> agencies, that's, that's what that is. And um and so uh, after that, I, a, I I went and worked at a big law firm doing U.S. Supreme Court litigation and federal appeals here in Houston for several years before I came to Yetter Coleman, which is a smaller firm where um, I'm doing basically the same stuff. I specialize in challenges to agency action um,
1: and uh, federal and state level appeals. Gotcha. Yeah, it's a lot going on there, especially with the alphabet soup of government <laughs> agencies, as you mentioned. Um, sure, they all have their own flavor, <laughs> for sure. They do. Yeah. So, when you made the shift to start working in cannabis and on cannabis issues, um, how did that happen? And what, sort of, what's your reasoning for? Uh, getting involved in, in this industry, which, you know, there's a lot of risk, I think, from the legal side, probably more interesting. But, um, I mean, this is still federally illegal, so it's not exactly uh, a safe uh, industry to, to be in.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I never had any real, um, I mean, I paid attention to, to issues surrounding cannabis, but not more than I paid attention to anything, really. I mean, when I got out of law school, I mean, just to back up a little bit, you know, again, my dad's a preacher. I was going to be a preacher. So there wasn't, you know, a lot of pot smoking going on when I was growing up or thinking sure. about pot or anything like that. Um, it was a very conservative family. And then when I, uh, you know, went to college and law school, I was just all about, you know, doing uh, appeals. That's what I wanted to do. And um, so I and it still wasn't, it wasn't even on my radar screen yet. And clerking after law school is working for the government, and I had background checks, and I had all sorts of things, and so, you know, I wasn't involved in any way at at that point either. Um, In fact, I didn't get involved really at all until 2019, and the reason I did was because I was trying to expand the regulatory side of my practice, and I had told some people at Yetter Coleman that that's what I was intending to do, um, and so. You know, I told them because I was like, hey, you know, bring me some work. You know, if your clients have any regulatory problems, like, let me know. And I was expecting to get, you know, this pipeline company needs help with a Federal Energy Regulatory Commission matter or this uh, oil refinery has an EPA issue that they want advice on. Right. That's what I expected. But what actually came through the door was um, another one of my colleagues, Matt Zorn, had gone to South by Southwest in Austin. And he met Dr. Sue Sisley, the head of Scottsdale Research Institute. Mm -hmm. She gave a talk at South by and basically she explained that she's been trying for years to do very important scientific research with cannabis to help veterans with treatment resistant PTSD. And she has not been able to do that research because DEA has blocked the laboratory door one way or another at every turn. And she had most recently sent an application to manufacture marijuana for her research, and it was solicited by the Obama administration DEA. So the Obama administration DEA said, we want more people to manufacture marijuana for research because various reasons. Please pay us $3,000-some-odd dollars to submit an application, and you know, we'll process that application and pick some new Marijuana manufacturers for for research. Mm -hmm. She responds to that, puts her application in, and then nothing happens for years. Well, one important thing happened there there was a change in administration from the Obama administration to the Trump administration, and Jeff Sessions took over DOJ and, you know, therefore DEA. So I heard all of that and I looked at the statute and stuff and realized that this, you know, was something that we might be able to help her with. And so we took her case on pro bono um, and sued the DEA and DOJ and, uh, were successful in getting, uh, not just her application, but all the others that were then pending, uh, got the ball rolling on getting those applications processed. It's become more complicated since, but that was the, uh, uh, initial foray into all of this. And in the process of doing that, um, you know, I really kind of just Dr. Cicely's story is so compelling. Yeah. And she's such a, uh, a real heroic person, in my, in my opinion. Yeah. And um, I just couldn't help but be inspired. And I also happen to have worked very hard for her and learned basically everything there is to know about the federal regulatory side of cannabis in the process. And so now, um, you know, I've taken on other cases and done other things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We at NCIA know Dr. Sue Sisley pretty well and the work she's done. Um, Yeah, very inspiring and and the work she's doing on behalf of medical patients, veterans. Uh, So thanks for uh, supporting her efforts for sure. Uh, Which leads us to today in the year 2020, Uh, Yetter Coleman is um, involved in the cannabis industry now. And, And as I mentioned, you were a panelist on that NCIA webinar about one of those alphabet soup Organizations, the DEA, and how they need to stay out of cannabis research. That was led by um, Andrew Klein, our director of public policy here at NCIA. Uh, so, so you're involved in these issues now, and uh, I wonder what's going on with the firm this year, uh, what you're working on this year, and what we have to look forward to. Yeah.
2: So, my firm, you know, we're really it's just me and Matt are the only two lawyers. Um, at Yetter Coleman who are involved in anything cannabis related. Um, And like you said, there is some risk involved and there is, you know, still a taboo to some people around the cannabis industry. And so we were very grateful when our firm didn't just let us do such a high profile um, matter with Dr. Sisley, but do it pro bono. I mean, we wanted to do it pro bono, but it's another thing to ask the partnership, you know, during, uh, difficult times to give you the green light to do that. But we Mm -hmm. were able to, you know, once, once you hear Dr. Sisley's cause and you hear, you know, what she's doing, um, it's, it's just, it's, it's very compelling. And I don't see how anyone, um, could really, you know, not want to support her efforts. Since then we have pitched many, well, let me back up just a little bit. We, Matt and I talked about it and we're like, you know, I mean, we had no intention of, of starting a cannabis practice. We just wanted to help this doctor and, you know, move on and go do the regular work that we've been doing, you know, since we graduated law school. Sure. Um, but once we got in, you know, I noticed that, uh, first of all, I'd spent all this time and now knew all of this about how this is a very complicated area of law, frankly, like very complicated. Yeah. And, uh, why it's wildly misunderstood too. And so, um, you know, we've now gotten involved and have pitched many different lawsuits. And we are, uh, there's one in particular that I think we're gonna talk about today um, that we're wanting to sort of dip our toe into uh, some some uh, matters beyond Dr. Cicely's cause.
1: Well, thanks for the update on that. Let's take a quick commercial break and then come back and dive into some more alphabet soup. Stay tuned, we'll be right back.
0: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors.
2: Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot.
3: natural substances produce the results that cbd is producing in the animals that we are testing on it's a dog's life with angela ardellino only on cannabis radio elevate your every day with that sugies feeling with the sweet taste of sugies add a cup of sugies to your morning coffee how sweet it is. Sugis infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Sugis now at com, or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat.
0: Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. We've been chatting with Shane Pennington from the law firm Yetter Coleman. Uh, So let's, let's talk about another alphabet soup, the SBA, the Small Business Administration, what they are, what their role is. And I wonder if they get sued from other industries often. Uh, As we mentioned, the NCIA and other organizations and companies are um, headed forward on putting pressure on the SBA for not allowing cannabis businesses to get benefits, but we'll get into that later. So, but for, for our listeners let's talk about the SBA and if other industries have issues with their decision-making processes often. Um, So the SBA is a small business administration. It's a federal government
2: agency. Um, There are thousands of federal agencies. Its role is, um, you know, just to, it does a lot of things, but for, for the purposes of, of this call, um, I guess the, the, the easiest way to put it is that we have the COVID-19 situation and Congress decided we're going to, um, you know, give small businesses relief through, benef- through a benefits program under the CARES Act. And so Congress passes this statute and it tasks the um, Small Business Administration delegates is the word we use in legal jargon, delegates to the SBA, Mm. the authority to sort of administer this program that's supposed to provide um, loans and other benefits to qualifying uh, small businesses, which are most every business with 500 or fewer um, employees. And again, this is, this is related to, uh, this was in response to uh, COVID-19. And so, um the SBA then, the way that agencies administer statutes, um, they don't just go out and you know start handing out money like what they do uh, is they pass rules and regulations um we call it promulgate them again in the in the jargon and they, they promulgate these rules and regulations that and that gives the public notice and the information necessary to um, participate And normally you do that through a notice and comment process in this case, because there was there, the timing was so, um, you know, it's kind of an emergency. They did it through, uh, what's called an interim final rule. And that interim final rule said, okay, here's who apply, who, how you apply and who qualifies and doesn't qualify for these loans. And, you know, if you go look up that interim final rule, you can find it. Um, you can, if you Google, you know, interim final rule PPP program. You'll mm. pull it up, and you'll notice that it's hundreds of pages long. And if you start reading it, you'll uh, fall asleep before you <laughs> get finished and understand it. Um, <laughs> and the reason I say that is because it's very complicated stuff, um, and so it you know you really have to read in there kind of kind of deeply. And when and when you do, you you start to see. Ah, uh, sort of the the genesis of this lawsuit and to your question, it's it is actually kind of unusual. It, the SBA is not a target of a whole lot of litigation. Um, you know, the EPA is, right? or <laughs> things like that because they they pass Clean Air Act rules and they do all yeah. these things that that upset so many different industries. But the SBA, it's pretty unusual. Um, okay. so that's that's sort of the background.
1: Awesome. Thank you for breaking that down. So, as I alluded to, um, there is a lawsuit being spearheaded against the Small Business Administration because these cannabis companies, who were otherwise deemed essential in many states during the COVID 19 shutdowns, you know, it was grocery stores liquor stores and cannabis dispensaries that were open for a few weeks there only, uh, but cannabis businesses aren't eligible to receive these emergency COVID-19 funds from the SBA. Uh, so let's talk more about that, uh, break it break down what the lawsuit is intended to be for our listeners uh, and, and why it's being spearheaded. Sure.
2: So Again, when you look at this interim final rule that I was telling you about that would put you to sleep if you tried to read it, um, deep in there, there's a, there's a section of this, this rule that says that sort of defines who's eligible for, for these loans. And it has two definitions that kind of caught our attention. And one of them caught many people's attention, and it's the direct marijuana business definition. And it basically says that you know, if you are making any revenue from um, cannabis, then you're a direct marijuana business and you therefore uh, fall under an illegal activity exception um, to eligibility. And so bottom line there is direct marijuana businesses, anyone getting revenue from, from marijuana is uh, not eligible. For this loan, that Congress said should be available to all uh, businesses with 500 or fewer employees. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's another. Now, a lot of people wanted to bring a lawsuit just about that—that that defining, uh, you know, direct marijuana businesses as illegal activity. Uh, that that is itself unlawful, and the government ought not be able to do that. And I think that that is an interesting. Angle and there may be, there may very well be a um, viable claim there. Yeah. But that's not the worst part of the rule. Um, and so if you read the next section, it defines indirect marijuana business to mean anyone getting revenue from helping a direct marijuana business, which includes and is, you know, they list a few examples and it includes. Lawyers giving marijuana businesses advice. Mm-hmm. It includes uh, accountants who you know are helping any marijuana business. It includes any basic professional services company that's doing making any revenue from a client who's a direct marijuana business. Now that really caught my attention because that is what that's saying is that you know lawyers in in this country who right. You know, if they represent, say you're a solo practitioner or a small law firm, like the one I work at and you, you know, you give advice to, um, some kind of monster, horrible criminal, right. That's okay. You can do that and you'll still be eligible for these loans. But if you give advice to a a direct marijuana business, then, then you're not eligible anymore. And I find that, Mm -hmm. I find that just face on its face, absurd. Like, I could rant about it, but I think any person w- who thinks about that will realize that that's crazy. In America, you know, the worst, the worst of the worst among us have a have a constitutional right to an attorney, and um, you know, they're not saying you can't have an attorney if you're a direct marijuana business, but they're disincentivizing attorneys from working for uh, direct marijuana businesses because mm-hmm. um, if you do, it's going to take you outside the sweep of this emergency relief uh, uh, provision for the for the SBA. Right. And so
1: that's what we're wanting to bring a lawsuit about. 100%. Yeah, it seems like a really important lawsuit that could really set precedent for the future. Um, what's the confidence level for this uh, or implications at the federal level? I mean, it, it puts you in the spotlight one way or another. So it seems like there's some risk involved in that. That's, that's a really good point.
2: Yeah, I, you know, we have talked with um, many potential clients about bringing this, this particular lawsuit. Um, And I think a lot of people in the, in the marijuana industry, you know, since marijuana isn't federally legal, they, you know, have operated kind of under federal regulation, sort of behind it, in the shadows of it. They've been you know operating under state regulation, and they, they're very active at the state level, but they just aren't participating at the federal level. And I've got to say, that's that's very different than other industries that, you know, uh, other clients I work for as, as an attorney. You know, I'm, I'm constantly in Houston representing oil and gas clients or airlines or pharmaceutical companies or whatever it might be. And they are very active at the federal administrative level. They know who their regulators are, and they are, they are letting their voices be heard, and they hire teams of attorneys to represent their interests before the agency and in court. And I can guarantee you that they wouldn't let a federal agency define their business as illegal activity and certainly wouldn't let them define the lawyers and other professional services people who like help them as illegal activity. But in the marijuana industry, uh, no one's doing anything about this. They're not, they're not suing. They're not getting involved. And I think the reason is because it's sort of like we could just sort of be on the sidelines. We're not regulated at the federal level. If they leave us alone, we'll leave them alone. And for now, that's the key. <laughs> and that's the key. And, you know, I, I'm not trying to say I know people's business better than they do. I don't but I do think that there are a lot of misunderstandings about the federal level, uh, you know, and ha- the, the influence that it has over this industry. And it's certainly going to, going to have there, there, we're right. coming to a sort of a crossroads um, where things are not, you know, things are not going to be in the shadows forever. And there, we're going to have mm. to start um, getting involved in the federal regulatory side of all of this. And I think this is a great opportunity for, um, you know, uh, the marijuana industry to say, you know, sort of draw a line in the sand and say that this, this is a, this is a bridge too far for us. We're going, we're going to say something now.
1: Yeah. Let's talk more about that after we take our last commercial break here. Uh, We'll be right back to chat more with Shane Pennington from Yetter Coleman. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: NCIA's cannabis industry voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors.
1: Trends in technology, processes and products, we cover these areas and more on The Cutting Edge of Cannabis. Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation,
3: learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries, better products, better infrastructure and better sustainability. The Cutting Edge of Cannabis, consulted by the American Cannabis Company.
0: Get informed get inspired and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Okay, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio and we've been chatting with Shane Pennington from the law firm Yetter Coleman about some issues going on between the cannabis industry and the Small Business Administration during this COVID-19 shutdown. As we mentioned, uh, cannabis businesses are not eligible to receive the emergency funding that has been doled out by the SBA. So Shane has described a lawsuit that is being spearheaded against the SBA uh, so that we can resolve this issue. Um, Shane, so for, for cannabis companies or anyone listening that wants to get involved in this lawsuit or support its efforts in some way, uh, is there anything they can do or, or what would you advise? Yeah, there are, there are a
2: few things. Um, with this lawsuit in particular, I think people need to be thinking about um, you know who are the professional services companies that are that are helping me? who's my accountant who are, who's my tax guy? who's my company's lawyer? Um, and if you know that that, person or that firm or whatever has 500 or fewer employees, you should let them know that they have been defined as doing illegal activity by the SBA and that there's a lawyer out there who's beaten the DEA twice um, who wants to bring a lawsuit to beat the federal government again when it steps out of line when it comes to picking on the cannabis industry Um, and let them know, know that Shane Pennington Matt Zorn, Yeter Coleman are out there to give us a call, reach out. We want to be able to do something uh, to stop this. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is, um, I think people should just start to be more open minded about uh, participating at the federal level. When these rules and regulations come down, they usually ask for public comments, mm-hmm. and it's time for people in the cannabis industry um, and organization, you know, NCIA files comments filed some recently with sure the DEA. And that is really important. And if you need help with that, again, get in contact with me. I'm sure that NCIA could put you in touch with lots of resources and, and folks who could help. But this is how, if you don't participate, it's sort of like voting. You know, If you don't vote, then you're, you're not doing your part to steer the ship in the right direction. And it's kind of the same thing. When you're in an industry that's so heavily regulated, you um, You got you have to be involved and you have to let your voice be heard, not just at the state level, but also at the federal level. And I think that, you know, I'm making this point now and I'm the only one I you know, I guess there are probably other people who feel the same way. But I don't hear a lot of people making this point. But mark my words in the next two, three, five years, it will become clear why. Um, Mm -hmm. And I hope I just want people to do it sooner
1: rather than later. Absolutely. Thank you so much for letting us know about this lawsuit and, and I hope the cannabis industry can get involved uh, if, if, if that's what's going to work for them to, to step up and contribute toward these efforts here. Uh, we'll see how it goes. So in our last couple minutes here, um, I do want to mention that NCIA has the Industry Essentials Webinar Series. I mentioned that Shane was a panelist on one of our recent policy council conversation webinars about the DEA, staying out of cannabis research. So that's a great one to check out. Uh, There's plenty of other webinars that we're hosting on a weekly basis, sometimes even more often. So head to thecannabisindustry.org and Look for our webinars under our events tab, register for those. Many of them are complimentary. There are some that are exclusive for NCIA members as well. Uh, Another quick announcement, um, NCIA's 10-year anniversary is this year, and we are looking forward to hopefully celebrating later this year. Our Cannabis Business Summit and Expo has been rescheduled for September 29th, 30th, and October 1st in San Francisco, and NCIA continues to monitor, assess, and analyze restrictions, shutdowns, and so on surrounding public spaces. Another quick announcement, uh, NCIA's Equity Scholarship Program was announced in late June for social equity applicants and licensees. I encourage you to look for more information about that as well and spread the word. Uh, Shane, as we're coming into the last minute here, um, thanks again for updating us on this lawsuit. Once again, anyone that wants to get involved, where can they reach out to you, get more information, contact you, get involved? so if they just google my name shane pennington they'll see the link to my law firm
2: uh bio that has all of my contact information but my email is spennington at and i you know, check it like most busy lawyers do um, much more than my family would like. So please, <laughs> <laughs> please reach out if you would like more information. And, you know, again, if you have any questions about how to get you know more involved in, in some of the administrative stuff I was talking about to sort of represent your industry's interests, I'm also happy to answer questions about that.
1: Great. Thanks so much, Shane. And, uh, in, in the last 30 seconds here, we were talking about this issue, you know, maybe being resolved, uh, in a few years here, where do you see the cannabis industry 10 years from now? What's your pie in the sky prediction to throw out there?
2: So I have a, a sort of good news, bad news, um, there's what i think will happen if if we're not active and i think that that will mean that we will continue to have people like we just heard in the news that uh, attorney general uh, bar has been um targeting marijuana businesses for antitrust scrutiny that in lots of unfair ways just because he doesn't like marijuana and the marijuana in the cannabis industry um and if we keep letting people like that run the show um, I think it's a gloomy picture, but I think that if we become more active and more involved and, and do the things that we can do, um, we could end up having, uh, you know, uh, a much better, fairer administration running the show that would, uh, hopefully realize, you know, all the, uh, business and other benefits of, of cannabis that would, you know, allow us to continue to, to grow even under, uh, federal regulation. And I think that that will allow interstate commerce and sort of the other benefits that come with that. And I'm hoping that in the next five, you know, 10 years, that will finally happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Interstate commerce is definitely an interesting one for sure. All right. Well, we have run out of time, but thank you so much, Shane, for jumping on this podcast with me today. I'm sure our listeners are interested to hear about how uh, the lawsuit being spearheaded against the SBA will go. So thank you again for being on the show and thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's cannabis industry voice until next time.